Well, as we know, February is the month of relationships, and that's what we've been talking about, and we are talking about another facet, relationships that can be found in interpersonal relationships or also in marriage. And it's been said that marriage is an institution, and some people say, well, I just don't feel like being institutionalized right now, so they're trying to avoid marriage. And other people say they don't feel like being committed, like you're going to the nut farm committed. Okay, but there are commitments that are involved in relationships. How many of you guys know that? Truthfully, marriage is completely all about commitment. But how many of you know that you don't need a commitment until you disagree? You don't need a commitment to eat chocolate donuts, okay? That's not something you have to just like say, I'm just committed to eat ice cream. I'm going to go eat Froyo. I'm going to go, I like that small group that Andrew's talking about, uh, Froyo, if I could say it, small group. Okay, that's not a big commitment to go eat sweets. Going to the gym, that is a commitment because you've got to go there when you don't want to go there. And it's the commitment to say, okay, I'm going to drag myself out of bed to get up and go to the gym. And that might be hitting too close to home for me. But anyway, but marriage is also a commitment. There's times when you don't feel like you necessarily want to be married or in a relationship or a friendship. All kinds of relationships need commitment. I want us to open up. The first verse we're looking at is in Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus is talking here, and he says to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, if you're going to live, if you're going to breathe air, there's blood flowing in your vein, there are going to be offenses that come. But woe to him through whom they come. So, Be careful if you're the one who's causing the offense, Jesus is saying. He continues, It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would offend one of these little ones. Now, that could mean a whole bunch of different things. It could be talking about like children's ministry. It could also be talking to just someone who's new in the faith. But I mean, I think that's pretty graphically explained there. I don't think we're going, well, Jesus, I wonder what you're saying here, right? I mean, can you imagine a millstone, one of those big, big, huge stones with the center that they use to grind the corn, and you put that around your neck, and you go thrown into the sea? I mean, what's going to happen? You're just going to go down really, really quick. He said that would be better. It's obviously not something that's going to happen. But he's saying you don't want to do that. Verse 3, take heed to yourself if your brother sins against you, Rebuke him, or come and confront him about it, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now I want us to see that, because Jesus is talking here, and he says if he sins against you, if he does something that is violating you, if he does something that's like bothering you, just like, oh, you know I hate it when you do that, I can't believe you did that to me, and seven times... A day he comes back to you, Jesus says, you're supposed to forgive him. (laughs) The next verse, I love it. The disciples, just like us, right? The disciples then hearing that said, Lord, increase our faith. Like, how many people want to have somebody offend them seven times doing the same thing over and over again? And Jesus like, and keep forgiving them. And then like, ah, help me, God, because I can't do that on my own. Matthew 22 says, Teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your might, for this is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you know you cannot truly forgive your neighbor until you've received God's forgiveness? You can't truly love your neighbor until you've received God's love. Because all we know outside of God is selfish love. What is selfish love? What are you going to give back to me? If I do this for you, what are you going to do for me? All right, I really don't want to forgive you, but I guess, all right, I'm probably going to mess up with you too. So, but most people don't even get to that point. They're like, you know, I'm just not going to forgive you for that. I'm just going to write you off. Many times when we're sitting in counseling with people, one of the things that always comes up is things where people have hurt them. And it can be a relationship that's a spouse, it can be a friend, it can be a coworker, it can be a parent, it can be a child, it can be a brother or a sister, it can be anything in the world. And you know what they always say? Back then, they did this, or, and that happened, and they're still holding on to something in the past. I heard a wise counselor talking to someone one time, and I just loved this analogy. He goes, okay, I'd like for you to pull out your calendar. And they're like, okay, this is like, you know, they're paying lots of money for this counseling session. So I pulled it out. I was like, okay, what are you going to give me? He goes, I want you to find a date on your calendar, okay, and choose when's the last day you're going to hold this over their head. When's it going to be enough that they've, they've paid enough for it? Okay, how many of you know that if you go and get sentenced to something in the court. They give you a sentence. It has a start and it has an end. When you've paid all your debt to society, it's all over. He's like, schedule the time. Well, doesn't that kind of make you just like jar a little bit in your mind to go, schedule a date? Yeah, it can be five years from now. When's the date you're going to say, enough is enough? I've held you back with this so long. When's the date? Go ahead and pick it. Well, we are in the mode of perpetually holding on to offenses. Well, you hurt me. I'm going to build up walls instead of tearing down the walls and living life. One of the things that was on there that says, when we forgive, we will find we can set the prisoner free. Did you guys read that one? And then I find out that prisoner is me. See, because when we build walls, <laughs> who's in the center? I am. God says, I don't want you living in unforgiveness. So one of the greatest things that we will see in actual relationships, in the relationship month as we're doing this, is actually forgiving. Pull out your calendar. If it's something really difficult, it may take a minute to be done with that. You can't have someone that's like beat up really, really bad, hurt, stabbed, shot, and go, okay, well, tomorrow we're going to be good. All right? No, it may take some time. We're not discounting the amount of time that it takes. But let's look at a time. Matthew seven twelve says, In everything... In everything, in mind I underlined it, in everything, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. 
We know this is the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. So if I have hurt someone, and I have, how would I want them to be to me? Hold that over my head forever? Would I want them to constantly, every time they see me, associate with that pain that I caused them? I've caused some pain. I've hurt some people. I've done some things that I'd rather never remember, wish I could go back and change it. How many of you know that hindsight's twenty twenty? and you look back and go, oh man, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Sometimes the words are just out of my mouth. I'm like, ah, let me go get those in. It's too late. The damage is done. But do I want that held over my head forever? So treat those around me that I'm in a relationship with the way I would want to be treated. In Lamentations 3, it's not in, your, in the notes, it says God's mercies are new every morning. So we see that God resets the clock every morning. Isn't it interesting that God says, don't go to bed angry? Because it's all going to reset the next morning and you've got to have got it all worked out and come to harmony and unity again before the reset. Another scripture I want us to look at is in Matthew. And this is kind of a long, we're going to talk about, and we're going to just walk through the whole story of this. Remember, Jesus just told them, seven times, forgive them. If they come back, seven times, you've got to forgive them. No matter how many times. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how, many, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Do you think he listened to Jesus in the other parable? Do you think the other time he talked about that and said, seven times they come, seven times you forgive them? And he just keeps going. He's like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to prove to you I got this one. So how often should I forgive? But can't you just kind of see the heart that he's going like, to keep track over here? He's going to keep, you know, there's a check. That's one, that's two, that's three, that's four, that's five, that's six, that's seven. Pow! I mean, he's just ready to let somebody have it. And Jesus says, not contradicting himself, but comes back to the mercies are new every morning. Verse 22. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Many of us have heard this before. And that is not even showing that you need to count to 490. And at 491, then it's like, okay, you're about to get it. All right? He's showing the superlative. Like, he's just going way over the top. Like, I had a million phone calls today. Did I have a million phone calls today? I might have had 20. They overwhelmed me, so I felt like Jesus like saying, this is so big. Don't count them. The point of the previous scripture, he's not contradicting himself. He's saying, as many times as they come and ask for forgiveness, forgive them. And here he's saying, you're keeping count of the wrong. He doesn't, never when it comes in here shows how they're coming asking for forgiveness. This is now me choosing to forgive. Someone can hurt me and I still have the choice to forgive even before they've asked me for forgiveness. Jesus says, no, it's 70 times seven. It's such a big number that's impossible for you to keep count of. Then he goes on to tell a story. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date. So he's in QuickBooks, and he's bringing it all up, and he looks over here, and he sees that someone owed him some money. In the process, one of his debtors was brought into him who owed him millions of dollars, and he couldn't pay it. He's saying, okay, you owe me millions of dollars. Come on. This thing's beyond 90 days past due. Come on, pay me up. I want my money now. He couldn't pay, verse 25. So his master ordered that he be sold. Now, this was something they did back in that time, that if you had a debt and you couldn't pay it, you would be sold into debtor's prison, and your family actually had to work to pay off the debt so you could get out. How many of you are glad we don't live in that society anymore? He ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. So not only is it him, but it's so big that he sold his wife, his children, and everything. See, sometimes we can do things that don't just affect us, but affects our wives, our children, and everyone that's associated with us. And that debt is just too big. Verse 26, but the man fell down before his master and begged, please be patient with me. I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave him the debt. He fell down on his knees, and he's saying, please just give me more time. Don't put me in prison. Don't put my wife. Don't put my children. Don't put everything I have. Don't take everything from me. Please just give me more time. And the king was moved by so much that he forgave him. Didn't give him more time. Forgave him and said, okay, the millions you owe me, you don't owe me anything. And when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded he pay him up right now. And his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little bit more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he said. But he wouldn't wait. And he ordered the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. See, his was his wife, his children, and everything. He just grabbed this guy by the throat and put him in prison. Now, when some of the servants saw this, they were really upset. Can you imagine? Can you imagine seeing what a great weight lifted off of the first man? God, man, I mean, he was forgiven the entire millions of dollars. Don't you imagine all of his friends were rejoicing with him? Man, that's so awesome. I mean, here you were going to have to spend the rest of your life in prison, your wife in prison, your children. I mean, I don't want anything to happen to my children. I mean, God forbid I make a stupid mistake that I have to pay for. Leave my wife out of it. Leave my children out of it. I'll pay the debt. It's me that was stupid. I made the mistake. Don't punish them. And here he goes. And he goes after this guy and grabs him by the throat. So they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man whom he had forgiven and said, You're evil. 
I forgave you such a tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have shown mercy? I would say the same mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you. Then the angry king sent them into prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Jesus finishes this story and says, This is what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, the ultimate forgiveness that we will ever see is being responsible to pay for our own sins. Can you imagine? I've probably told this story here before, or this analogy, I should say. People often say, that's not fair. I don't like that. Why is it this way? I want a fair. Do you know what fair is? That means every single time you do something wrong, you get caught. Have you guys ever gone through a red light camera and got something in the mail from the city? Okay, there's no grace. There's no like, hey, we'll let you have this one, okay? Hey, maybe next time or watch out. You might want to be careful there. It's right there. Can you imagine every single time the speed limit's 55, 56, man, you got a ticket. 60, got another ticket. 75, you run a red light. You don't stop every time. Every single time you do something wrong, you get caught and you have to pay for it. How many of you think that sounds like a really good place to live? Not for me. See, that's fair. Fair is every single time you do something wrong, you get caught and you have to pay for it. That's what our life is. Every time we sin, something has to be paid to cover that sin. And that's what hell is about. Hell is the place that we can go to pay for our own sins. But we don't have to. So the ultimate forgiveness is being able to walk into Jesus and say, I've really messed up in my life. I really haven't done such a great job by myself. However words you use, I'm asking you, who's already chosen to pay for my sins, I'm going to apply that to my account. We're all in need of that Savior. The parable of the man who owed so much. That guy's me. Can I suggest to you? That guy's you. So when we see such a great weight of our entire life that has been paid for by God. He looks at it over here as this mountain, and he's all too happy to forgive us. And there's this little bitty speck of dirt over here with our brother, and say, I'm not going to forgive you for that. Are you kidding me? You hurt me. You did this or me, to me, or you did that to me, or you didn't do what you said you were going to do. This, uh, no, I'm not going to let you do this to me again. No, I'm not going to forgive you. Are you kidding me? I can't forgive you for that. And God says, let's look at the scales here. This may seem a lot to you, but look 
how big your sins were. Look how big what I forgave you of. We're all in need of a Savior. But now can I suggest to you that there's also the perspective of the other person? See, because oftentimes what happens is I'm offended, I'm hurt, I just get really crushed by something someone does or says. But when I look from their point of view, it's completely different. How many times have I hurt somebody? I'm like, oh, that's not what I meant. I would never say that to do, oh, no, that's not, no. Hey, no, that's not what I meant. And yet they received it the wrong way. One of the other things they had in the video that I liked, it says, forgiving people isn't a sign of weakness. It's taking it to a higher power. It's saying, God, you forgave me while I was still sinning. While I was still not worthy of what you did for me, you forgave all of that. You see, Jesus forgave all of our sins before we even did them. Have you ever thought about that? Stay with me here. Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago. You weren't born till a few years ago. And yet he paid the price for everything in totality. The truth of the matter is, you don't ever have to ask God for forgiveness again because he already forgave you. You trip and fall tomorrow, you go, Jesus, I forgot. I, I said a bad word. Please forgive me. Oh, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. He already forgave you 2,000 years ago. You don't need to keep asking him to forgive you once you've accepted him in your heart and you've accepted that forgiveness. It's there. It's there. You just have to receive it. So if we're going to apply the same standard that Jesus gave to us, can we do the same thing for those all around us? Can we say, hey, even before you hurt me, I choose to forgive you. Can I say, I'm not going to allow anything to be the thing that knocks me down. (laughs) Forget you. I can't forgive that. Are you kidding me? No, you keep doing this over and over again. You know, I've heard this excuse from you so many times. I think I'm at 491. Seriously. I mean, come on. You know you do the same thing all the time. Don't you know you're supposed to pick up your socks and put them in the hamper? Whatever it is. Can we, is it possible to make the decision to say, hey, before anyone this is a big ask I know before anyone even has the opportunity to hurt me I choose to forgive big word I just said there choose 
it's a choice. It's not a feeling. Forgiveness has never one, will never be a feeling. But yet while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Bow your heads with me. Our unresolved expectations or unrealistic expectations can get us in trouble an awful lot. But if we can change the way we think about relationships, whether it's a husband and a wife, a brother and a sister, sister and sister, mother and father, you fill in all the blanks of all the possible combinations. We say, hey, I'm choosing to give you something you don't deserve. Forgiveness. Even before you mess up. Jesus was absolutely the greatest example given to us. (laughs) On the cross, being crucified, We've seen the reenactment of the video, the passion of the Christ, and just the horribleness of that. What did he say? What was his final prayer? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can I suggest to you, all those people around you and me don't know what they're doing either. I don't know what I'm doing when I hurt someone. Let's choose to forgive. Father, this is a really big ask this morning. This is possibly one of the biggest asks that we can reach out for. Because we're taking it so much higher than even saying if someone hurts you to forgive them. We're hitting that mile marker and we're going hyperspeed beyond that into space to say, before you even sin against me, before you even hurt me, I'm going to choose to walk in forgiveness. Lord, I'm sure this is going to take a lot of processing for everyone listening as it did for me. But what an awesome way to live. The prisoner that gets set free is me. The greatest gift, though, still comes back to the one that God gave us. This mountain of sin over here that is me, that is all my bad choices, is all the things that I know I should have done that I didn't. Doing all the things I knew I shouldn't do the Bible calls sin. Accepting Christ, accepting Him paying that is the ultimate. So if that's you this morning, you may be saying, man, I don't know, I've been waiting. I'm still not sure about this whole Jesus thing, this whole Christianity thing. Today I'm willing to step out. I'm willing to take the next step 
and today's my day. If that's you, I would just ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to call anybody up to the front. We're just going to say a simple prayer in just a moment. We're going to all say it out loud together so we're all in the same boat together. Is there anyone else? All right. Let's pray this out loud. We're going to do something new this morning. We're going to pray this out loud. So please don't whisper it. Just even those that have done it before, if you're not comfortable, do whatever you want to. No one's listening to see who's doing what. But just say this. Say, God in heaven, I choose to apply your forgiveness for my sins. Thank you I don't have to pay for my sins. Jesus paid for them. I choose to receive him as my Savior. Come into my life and show me what my next step is. I choose you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.